Greetings everyone and welcome to the 186th edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach and I'm joined by PWSA's number one fanboy, Jaden. Howdy. Howdy. And of course, the other Paul Anderson's number one fanboy, PTA. We've got Fitzy, aka Liam. Yo. Yo, yo. Ready to talk about some cinema? Some laid back cinema? Cinema. I feel like this has to be some sort of subgenre of a film, you know? Two people chatting. Two people chatting the movie. Mm. Mm. It has to be something there. They made, they made a movie about us every Saturday. Yeah, honestly, would that be a film you'd watch of like a podcast recording, for example? No. Oh, isn't that Tusk? That's a Kevin Smith film about a podcast recording. I think. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, but I think one one of the guys like the host is like crazy, so. I think he tries to like put him in a mammoth or something. Oh, yeah. I thought it would have to be like where the story is framed around the podcast recording. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, this is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. And this week, that movie is Before Sunrise. I'm still always get confused and and about to say something. I know Before Midnight's the last one. I figured that out. Promise me, I, I figured that one out. Sunset and Sunrise, I'm still getting a bit mixed up on. But anyway, uh, it opened in the US January 27th, 1995. It was directed by Richard Linklater. Is that correct, Fitzy? Mm. Yeah, a- perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a romantic drama, not a rom-com. Anyone, no one wants to dispute that? Oh. I mean, there's comedic elements. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you see, I personally think that Succession is funnier than this movie ever is, you know. Well, that's undeniable. But, um, yeah, okay. I don't know. You called it a romantic drama. I just wanted to – I don't know. I feel like a rom-com has a certain structure that this film just doesn't have. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, But then that is also kind of like me trying to fit it into like an archetype as a genre. Anyway, whatever. The synopsis says, A young man and woman meet on a train in Europe – and wind up spending one evening together in Vienna. Unfortunately, both know that this will probably be their only night together. Well, I, I, I happen to know it's not. Sorry to spoil the fun. But um, anyway, that is the whole premise of the film. It makes for a very interesting premise. We're all first-time watchers here, I believe. So, Jaden, what did you think of Before Sunrise? I was scared to watch this film. You know, I've been, I've been putting this one off for years. You know, really? was going into it kind of with the highest of high expectations to love it. And I was really worried it'd fail me, like many oh. other ones have recently. But uh but uh but 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 it didn't. Um I fell in love with it almost instantly. I think Ethan Hawke is instantly engaging and, 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 and the relationship I think builds from the first moment and is just you know, it's just I don't know, obvious in in, 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 in the in the in the like the acting alone, like their body language, their eyes, it's, it's, it's conveyed so well. You know, you don't even need the dialogue to tell that they like each other. Um, the setting's fantastic, and just the conversations are fast and 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 just and just they're never dull to hear them talk. I, I, I did really love it, and I'm really happy I did love it. Excellent, excellent. So, hang on, who built this up for you? Huh? Is this how have you heard about this movie over the years of being like? Having these high expectations for it. It's just very, very well known movie, very, very celebrated movie. Okay, okay. 
I, I had no clue, as you guys. I had never heard of it uh, before we discussed doing it on the show, and I had no idea how well received it was at all. Um, mm. So I'm glad I didn't have that baggage, but Jaden overcame that baggage anyway. I um I thought this movie was very good. It's obviously a great script. Better performances and on-screen chemistry between the two leads, for sure. Um, the two only named characters in the movie, by the way. It's really those two things that sort of complete the whole film on their own, really. Um, it also, you know, managed to make me feel infinitely worse about all the times. Inevitably, in the future, I'll consider talking to a stranger and this never, never do it. You know what I mean? So uh, thanks before sunrise for that, making me feel self-conscious. Um, or, you know, I could maybe glass half full it, take it as a life lesson. But will I? Jaden will. Jaden will take it as a life lesson. He'll do it. Um, <laughs> Fitzy, what did you think of this film? Yeah, I, I relate to Jaden. Uh, Jaden's story. I've been putting us off for years too, kind of. Um, I had seen like a bit of it before. And I can't remember if I stopped it because we were going to like do it for this eventually or what, but, um, or if I was just like waiting for the right moment, but, um, yeah, I'm glad I finally saw it. Um, I thought it, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was, uh, you know, I guess like what I, like what I expected from Link later in this film, like the philosophical kind of candid dialogue and everything being focused on just the two, um leads their romance is really just uh infectious kind of like i was definitely like reacting to this film like actively um and their chemistry is like better than like ethan Hawke's chemistry with julie delpy is better than irma thurman in you know gattica who's like his own wife in real life <laughs> uh, that was great don't tell him that but yeah and yeah i uh, i like movies in europe you know it's very nice um you just have to hide the McDonald's in the background and mm. make it feel authentic, you know, and then... Lots of CGI painting for that. Mm. That's one thing about The Killer, I really leaned into the McDonald's in Europe, you know. Classic Fincher product placement. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I um, I liked seeing a relationship develop in full time. You know, I've never seen a movie like this that just basically has no drama and just, like, commits fully to the interactions yeah. of two people you know so and um yeah just like on the popularity of this film like i've like i've always thought this film was like super popular and like that's part of why i've been like you know anticipating it so highly but like i don't think it it's as popular as i thought it was because like, i asked both my parents and i'm like they're like kind of they the heard of it vaguely but you know not really so maybe it's just like my, really my parents again, yeah right so maybe it's just like really big in film circles or whatever, but yeah, I have been, uh, yeah, anticipating this. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, that is interesting. I, um, I, I completely agree with your second to last point because I don't know. I don't know how these conversations, I mean, it is all the script, obviously. I don't know how these conversations are so compelling when they have like, there's zero conflict between the characters. Pretty much. You could, I think that you could maybe sense there's a bit of, um, the conflict comes a bit later when it's like, are we going to see each other again kind of thing? And then what should we do based on that? Um, but even that's like not traditional conflict early on the first half of the movie, there's like no conflict between these characters at all. It's like all charm, all relatability, I guess. 
Um, you know, they don't even have like I love when they talk about their lives and it's like there's no tragic backstories, you know, there's no dark past. I kind of thought like to what extent is this movie at some point gonna end up saying like I mean Ethan Hawke's brother died, right? So I guess there's that. Is that am I correct about that? Oh, his grandma. His grandma died? Yeah, when was a child. Didn't yeah. one of them die? Didn't someone have someone who died? I think the oh, grandmother was the only one uh, mentioned, wasn't um, it? Yeah, probably. I think so. Yeah. Oh my god. I know I'm getting it Taylor mixed up with something else. I watched this week, sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, okay. I'm so the girl- sleeping in her. <laughs> Um, anyway, sorry. Um, but no, that like I was kind of half expecting the movie to go in a direction of like, oh, Ethan Hawke's character like then reveals like I don't know he's got some tragic backstory or some shit like you know terrible home life or something. There's nothing like that. It was pretty ordinary lives they both had and they were sharing and uh, that was nice. You know, it was nice to not have these characters bogged down in such shit. Um, so I appreciated that. I guess like for me, the thing that I was curious about coming into this was like as I was watching and I felt this film. Uh, partly because of what I just said also and what we have been saying, but like I was going to be, it was going to be different to review, I felt, or it was it was going to be more challenging to review maybe, but just based purely on like what kind of experience it is um, to like break it down because it is very much just one conversation that's just evolving, you know, and so it's interesting to talk about. But I guess I, I kind of wanted to try and hone in on like what are specifically the qualities that make this movie special because it, it did feel like a special movie it felt very unique when i was watching it it had this unique charm where like, like you you guys were reacting to stuff it was reacting to stuff i was i was mainly smiling i think in this movie i don't know if that was the reaction you had as well um but like right from that first moment you know when they're like they sort of catch each other's attention on the train um i love how that's done where you sort of get like all the shots of the other different passengers as well and you sort of like if you don't know who the movie's about, like you sort of don't know who's going to end up getting the focus of it. And then it sort of comes about naturally. And then that whole first interaction they have where they, they move, they start talking and it's just like, I'm just smiling the whole time. You know, their chemistry is just there right from the start. So I think like, I'm just trying to like pinpoint exactly what makes that work so well. Obviously a huge part of it is the chemistry between Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy as Fitzy already mentioned, but like in that, in the performances, like, what makes them so special? You know, is like what I'm trying is what I'm trying to think about. Is what I'm trying to reflect on, because does for example, does this kind of acting? I've got some interesting trivia about it too. But does this kind of acting have a name? It, it's like very. I don't know. I would almost describe it as like naturalistic. The whole thing feels. You've got these really long takes. It feels very relatable, like a very real conversation between people. It feels like you're right there with them. It feels very improvised, you know. So, and just the delivery of it all is so natural that that's to me stands out as like something that makes this film quite unique. And I think is like a big part of like why the performances really elevate the material and why the whole experience is, feels so special. I don't know if you guys agree with that because I'm just trying. I think that might be the number one thing about this movie that makes it just work and, and stand out as being beloved, you know? But did that stand out to you guys, the performances and, and how they were delivered and the chemistry, all that kind of shit, Jaden? So before we attack that, can we just circle back to something we sure. before? It, it, it just, I just, I let it go, but I need to come back to it. 
Um, yes. You said you said Delpy. Um, is 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 that correct? Oh, have, I, have I been going? Because uh, I always thought it was Deply. Because I just thought the P was the other way around. Have I been wrong about that? Oh, well, the E, the L is before the P. Oh, is it? Yeah. Ah, okay. I, I've always just like I think my brain just automatically put the P before the L to make it Deply. Sure, I I I've, I've do that many things with many things. Yeah, okay. yeah I understand. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, no. you volunteer to tackle a question, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I don't know if I would call the acting naturalistic. Okay. Uh, like it's, it still feels. I think the romance feels removed enough from modern day reality that I don't know if I could call it natural. Maybe if I was watching this in nineteen ninety five, I could call it natural. But okay. you know, okay. this shit doesn't happen anymore. You know, yeah, you know, young people don't meet on trains and just hit it off instantly because you know they're Snapchatting. Yeah, you, you're Snapchatting, and you're, you're you're worried of strange danger and all that stuff. You know, it's, it's, this isn't a modern day story. So to me, like, the, the there's a limit to how natural it feels. Um, but I think like that works for me. You know, I I, I think it's I think romances are better as fantasies because I think like hmm. I think this whole thing of like I, I I think there's a danger perception around romance. I think film perpetrates it a lot. So. I don't mind it being a bit more fantastical. Um, what was the other part of your question? No, that's interesting. I like how you use the word fantasy because it does, I guess, I kind of agree with you. Like, obviously, there's the idyllic setting like and, and Vienna and all that kind of stuff. The whole scenario does feel quite fantastical. I agree with that. But I guess, I don't know, to me, that's like sort of weighed up against like like the pace of the of the delivery of the conversations, like the pauses, the way they say, you know, all the time, you know. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> great example. Um, it's kind of, it, I, I guess, it is more of a balance there. It's interesting. Yeah, so I, I like the, I think like the dialogue maybe in the way it's delivered. Yeah, 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 feels real. But then I think even like there's limits to how real the dialogue feels because, like, I think more the modern day person would just clash a lot and they would separate after a couple of hours rather than spending the entire time with them. Because okay. in this, when right. when they when they the, when they start having differing opinions, they kind of move on and they are kind of just okay with it, you know. Like whenever his cynicism comes out, she she reacts to it, but then she like they they, they discuss it briefly, but then they move on, you know. I, I think like I think the modern person would uh, dig a trench and hold their position until there's a great divide, and then just fuck off. <laughs> Damn, that's quite a pessimistic your view of people thirty years later. I guess that's what social media does. True, I don't disagree with that. Fitzy, where do you where do you weigh in on this? I mean, yeah, that's uh, an interesting uh, presentist perspective that Jane has brought, uh, brought to the table. But no, it's definitely yeah, naturalistic yeah. for the time. Um, Ethan Hawke feels like it, it feels like it's a slightly more um, refined version of how Ethan Hawke would actually talk in real life, you know, in an interview or, or whatever. Um, so it feels very. Uh, natural to the 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 performers personalities i guess um there is like it it does feel a little refined like the the conversations are like constantly kind of they're always like interesting in some way there's no like gap where where you're like oh this is just a boring kind of everyday conversation um they never say let's start a podcast yeah yeah exactly they really should though (laughs) i guess in that I think that side of the movie is really strong. I, I'm actually surprised we sort of like there's a bit more debate in that than I sort of expected, but that's in, I like that. I uh, like I guess to what extent 
because I was also thinking about this about halfway through when I, I sort of realized about halfway through, Oh, I know I get like, I get what this movie's doing now. And I sort of understand this is going to be the, the movie. And like, I think before, like again, cause I'm stupid and never heard of this movie before. Like they even bring up, like, are we ever going to see each other again? I'd kind of put together. Okay. Like this, this is the whole thing is that like the before sunrise is like the deadline on this. Right. So it's like, okay, that's cool. I like that. But like, to what extent does this movie work? To what extent would it just work the same if it were a book? You know, like I think I think we've already agreed hmm. on Delby and Hawks on-screen chemistry is fantastic. So like, okay, there's a point for sure. But like, outside of that, I was thinking like, it is so much in the writing as well that it's like, how much did I enjoy this as a film? You know, like as in the how much does the medium of cinema add to it? And I was, and then that sort of just made me watch it a bit differently and trying to pick up different things. I thought the film did well in other ways. Yeah, Jaden. Well, I, I think it depends on the reader because because because, because you know talk, talk, talking about how I would have worked with the book. You know how like apparently like fifty percent of the people like don't have like an internal like monologue or like you know they they can't visualize shit. So like. For those people, I think reading this would be miserable because they'll just read conversations and they couldn't imagine anything. So, like, I think it would a hundred percent work as a as a film, like infinitely better for them. For people that are normal and, and can visualize shit, like you and I and and he, I, I assume, I hope, um, we haven't actually discussed this, but I, I hope you can imagine shit. Um, yeah. I think I think it would definitely function as a book, and we can make it as fantastical as we want it, which would particularly benefit me because I, I, I'd like I'd like to exaggerate this shit to the nth degree. Sure. Like, you mean in, like, what, like, descriptions of the settings and all that kind of shit? Yeah. But, like, keep the dialogue the same? Keep the dialogue the same, but, you know, like, I, I, I will let my, my mind wander into how romantical it is. Okay. I like that. That's cool. Hmm. That's interesting. I guess how much does, like, seeing the settings and the places add to the film? You know what I mean? Like actually existing in those places. Because I must say, like one of my points to this was going to be, like I really love jumping all the, all the way right to the very end. Like I love what, what what Richard did at the end with like just flashing those still shots of like all the places they'd spent the previous night, you know, and just like seeing them now in the morning and they're just like this fucking mundane shit happening in all of them, you know. Um, like I thought that was really strong. And then that's something because it made it, it had this effect of like, of like how you'd like return to a place and like have this memory associated with it, you know, of like a time and place of where you were and what you were doing. And like it managed to have that effect on me, like, but not after going back to a place I'd, I'd been as a person 10 years ago, but like going back to a place I'd like seen on screen like fucking 30 minutes ago. You know what I mean? So I thought that was quite a strong thing that you couldn't really do in a book. Like that was like cinema elevating the experience for me. Um, yeah, so that came to mind. That came to mind. I don't know if how do you how do you feel about this? Is there well, what what cinematically is this film doing? Yeah, I was thinking about that um, because I don't think it's doing much. I mean, you get little no. things, but um, oh, I had something. Wait, it is quite a. Would you describe it as like a minimalist experience? I guess because I agree, it isn't doing much, but like. Yeah, like usually I prefer more maximal, like more maximalist stuff. Even in romances, like I definitely prefer a you know eternal sunshine type film to a to a past lives. Um, right, right, okay. So, 
And that, that, that's kind of what I was like. Did, did, did this affect you in past lives or was there kind of enough there in those like settings and, um, you know, the cinematography and stuff? Because uh, the camera work was pretty stale on that, but just, just because of like the range of, um, the range of backgrounds that we got, it felt, you know, different enough. Where in, in this, it's like a lot of Vienna is like gothic and, you know, just like kind of general Europe shit. So it's not like, like the the image isn't adding the background images isn't like adding much. I guess. Um, well, sure. it's adding a lot, sure. but but it's like there's not like a a range that you're getting. You know. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. I feel like you could have discrete, like to what Jaden's saying. Like, yeah, I feel like you could have like decent. If you have fantastical, you want to go. Uh, he wants to go all the way, but like. I feel like you have decent descriptions and like I'd get, I'd get this image pretty clearly of the city. Yeah. So can you just quickly uh, wrap up this uh, kind of thought of, can you guys imagine shit or are you blank minded? <laughs> I, I, I need to know now. How can anyone read yeah. if, if you can't imagine shit? Well, apparently like their, their mind is just blank. Like, and like, and like, I don't know, like, like the people that don't have an internal monologue, they can't imagine things. Like, have you seen that thing about like trying to imagine an apple and people just physically cannot imagine an apple. They can't conjure up the image. But is that like people taking the question too literally? Like they're thinking they can't see an apple like in front of them right now. Right. 50% of people. And it's all 50. As if it's fucking 50% though. Apparently it is. No. Yeah, that's crazy. Hang on. You're telling me, no, there's no way you're telling me like half the kids we went to school with like couldn't imagine anything. That's why they're so fucking dumb. Um, Only 30 to 50% of people have an internal monologue. Is it... How is it possible for them to not have it? Uh, I can't fathom this. Is that like BuzzFeed or? No, this is a. Uh, uh, this was this this is this is all over social media. Like for, for quite, a, it, it comes up every like few months. To be honest. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen this discussion on like Reddit before, for sure. But I don't fully believe in it. Um, Russell Herbert, a psychology professor at the University of Nevada has claimed that only half the population, uh, it's unknown if it's US or worldwide, perhaps the, the Yankees are, are, are uh, less imaginative, can have conversations with, self, with themselves. Well, there's no uh, doubt about that. Mm. So how, but wait, wait. Well, the problem is you can't, you, you can't measure it. So like people give their own, you know, it's self-input. So it's hard to get accurate answers for that kind of thing. Like what's in it? What, like what is in? How do you define internal monologue? What does that mean? Does it literally mean you can't imagine shit? Like is that actually what it means? Yeah, I don't know. So to, to be fair, I've never I've never really delved deep into this conversation. I, I just was known as <laughs> how funny people can't fucking think. Um, <laughs> but like, like if yeah. if someone didn't have an internal monologue, they couldn't like prepare their words for example for like a sentence yeah and, and that's why so many people just speak through their fucking mouth you know and they just like they have to talk out loud and you know they just need to like do all that shit you know they're like 50 percent of people well 50 percent don't have an internal monologue and i think that contributes to the whole can't imagine shit but, but shouldn't visual stuff be different from you know audible I don't know. I don't know. I've never, I've never, I've never thought this much. All right. I'm sorry. I see, see what happens when you one of these challenge Jaden's perceptions. Preconceptions. Yeah, is, is this just your way of trying to talk out of giving us an answer? 
Because you haven't said yes or no whether you can imagine things yet. Zach, me? I can, no, you. I can imagine like an apple. Can, can. I can think of an elephant. <laughs> what color is your apple? Oh, a little red. But I, I was looking at a red book, so maybe I can't imagine things. Yeah. Mm. Mine, mine was red too, just so yeah. you know. No, like, like um, look, maybe, maybe the number's not right, but like when, whenever that post does come up, there are people in the comments that are on the opposite side with like, what, people can see shit? Also like, you know. Um, people can... Hmm. So like, like there, there are people that exist. I don't know if that number is correct though. So, you know. Jane, can you Hang imagine oh the movie before Sunrise instead of this discussion? I can imagine it perfectly. I can imagine it from the opening shot of the of the couple arguing, you know, yeah. and then, and then oh, yeah. the, the bickering gets lot, like you know louder and louder. We cut to Julie, and then we cut to Ethan, and then cut back to the couple. And, you know, they, they're getting louder and louder, and Julie's finally fed up, and she she grabs her bag, she walks down the train, shoves it up there, and she sits across from Ethan. We can tell his intent. You're just, you're just remembering. Just, can, you're not imagining. But I can see it in my head, you know. I can see her walking down the train car, you know. Can I just say, I don't think we'd any of us would be able to do this fucking podcast if we couldn't imagine anything, you know what I mean? Well, remember that shot from this fucking movie that we watched two days ago? I mean, to be fair, I, I forget. Well, that but, but then but like, Liam, Liam brings up a good point of what's remembering or what's imagining. And, and to, but, but then that, that, that brings into question to, 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 the, to, to my, my statement about people can't see shit, so like, but can they remember things, you know? Yeah. This is a before midnight type of conversation that we'll, uh, that, that they'll have. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess oh, I'm happy to lean into it. I guess like memory is different from like being able to conjure something from nothing or from an experience you didn't have, I should say. But what if you just lack the ability to, to, to generate any image, you know? Well, like, then I don't understand how you can function as a human, to be honest. I'm actually like not even joking. Like how could you? Yeah. You can't conjure any image. At all. Anyway, I've got Maybe some they're the in life. Maybe they're the ones that live life on the daily and, and they actually know how to experience life and enjoy it. No, that's bullshit. Um, I've got some trivia here regarding <laughs> related to, to the acting uh, before we were talking about cin- cinematic techniques. Um, this is regarding Linklater had a comment about improvisation in Before Sunrise, which I thought was important to know. It's a compliment when people think that this movie is improvised, but I don't think anyone could ever understand how much work of it is for them. How much work it is for them, sorry, Delpy and Hawk. Uh, Delpy then also explained, the truth of these movies is that they are tediously rehearsed. Every detail planned, every overlapping line is scripted. It's so precise that it's almost a joke when people think we are acting off the cuff. I had to get that in there because that is a huge shout out. I Did you guys believe it? I 100% thought it was like, like it was an exercise in like improvisational long take sort of acting stuff. That's what I literally thought the movie was until I read this. Well, uh, as I said earlier, like it does feel a bit um, refined. Like I think if the two actors tried to have this conversation, they'd, you know, stumble a bit more and it, it wouldn't be as interesting, I guess. Um, because like, yeah, like every topic they they bring up does have a bit of like, semi like profundity to it semi like interest so definitely it doesn't feel like totally improvised it doesn't yeah it's too much of a too little of a mess for that right like the writing's too good Mm. to be something that yeah that that is a good point i do agree with that but i feel the delivery of it like we've already talked about just just convinced me basically because it was so good yeah 
yeah. while I die. I can imagine a different film where they. I'm just trying to get Jane's attention because he's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's too busy still researching. Yeah. Um, I don't um, I've already brought up the script a few times, but I don't know, like, in terms of what you've just said, Vizzy, about the profound, profoundity? Profundity, you, yeah. Profundity is how you'd actually, like, use that. Okay. Um, I, yeah, like, for me, for sure, I don't know if, like, this film has this effect on other people, like, for sure, I want to know about Jane. But it definitely also made me, like, reflect on what kind of a person I am with a lot of these, like, interesting debates it brings up, a lot of these interesting situations and conundrums raised in the conversations. Um, just a few times I've sort of like, I think it, surely everyone has this with a film, right? Whereas a few times I was like, oh, how would I react to this? Or what's my opinion on this? You know, like sort of worldview debates kind of stuff, you know? I was like, a few different ones that stood out to me. Jane, was there any in particular where you're like, fuck, oh, he's got a point. Just, just, or, just to put this last thing to bed. Oh my god! So, uh, so apparently, this 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 disorder is called aphantasiasm uh, or something like that. Only one to three percent of people have it. Aphantasiasm. Aphantasiasm. Oh, that makes sense because like fantasia is like visions and shit. Yeah. Dreams. Yeah. Um. So one to three percent of the population has that, but it's different to the internal monologue one. But I was I was reading apparently studies did find that people with it, with with that um struggle to like keep up in their head compared to other people so uh see that seems yeah. accurate one to three percent yeah like it's not 50 yeah. percent. yeah but 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 then the internal monologue thing is a different one which i haven't which i haven't researched yet but i'll, I'll find out for you guys can, can you research it after the show <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, oh no we can keep this going so what are you asking about my my oh sorry yeah you... were there any main like uh debates or like interesting philosophical things that you that they were talking about that you you felt particularly connected to or you weighed in on you know in your well, mind. I um I really liked all of them and, and like when, whenever it got to that point I like my, my my thought went to you where you tend to complain about the philosophy in a lot of things because it's surface level or shallow but because you have your background in, in high school philosophy um so like <laughs> well studied <laughs> so so um so like like whenever they like they got they kind of got to that and you kind of see his cynicism emerging. Or like you know her her kind of personal beliefs and all that. I'm like, oh yeah, I really I really enjoy this. And I'm like I'm like I really I think you know there's there's a great conversations that they're, they're they're you know they're, they're deep with and then you know they're, they're profound enough for me. You know, and I'm like oh no, but Zach would say the shit. Um, but no, yeah, I, I quite I quite liked all the all the little profound expressions and 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 exclamations they make. For sure, for sure. There's, there's, there's quite a few that stood out to me. Um, I'm on, you know what? I'll, I'll just, I'll get to the big one. I think, which is like the whole, basically the whole ending, to me, and that is like, I need to know. Obviously, I need to get you, your guys' take on this. Could, like, could you ever trust somebody so much? And to be fair, sorry, this isn't so much as raised, like, but in the conversation itself. But it is like the conundrum. It is like the the conflict of what is happening in the scene though. Could, could you ever trust somebody so much or believe in an experience you had with somebody so much to just say, I'll meet you back here in exactly six months at this very spot without any contact in between? Because it's very romantic, but the, like for me, there's just no way. You know what I mean? Give me your phone number. I'll, I'll turn into one of those people that has the whole thing fizzle out that they hate. I also hate that, but, you know, I'll take. I need something. You know what I mean? Hmm. 
Uh, I guess that goes to what Jane was saying about this being set in the 90s at a different time. Yeah, I don't think people would like True. do that today, especially with the 15 different ways to like communicate with people. Um, oh, I mean, yeah, they, they trusted each other enough. If I, if I found my Julie Delpy, I probably wouldn't do that, but I'd probably, if it did yeah. come to that, I'd be maybe okay with it. I don't know. If she made you do it. Hmm. Yeah, well, that goes into, like, the fantasy part, you know. Um, it's – I feel like would – would they even do that if, if you know, if if, it, if that was, like, the real situation back then, you know? That's, like – that does seem a bit extreme. It is very extreme. I think it's well rationalised with the whole, like, you know, they don't want to turn into just fucking poor effort, you know what I mean? I get that. Mm. But – it's a lot to ride on, you know, and you don't know if you'll ever see the person. You know, you don't know what will happen in the next six months with each other, you know, just a bit. But maybe, like, flying overseas used to mean less, you know, pre-9-11, you know? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> maybe. But, like, you, but they're also basically, like, sort of making a commitment in the moment to say, I promise I'll be single in six months. You know what I mean? It's like, can you really do that? That's almost unfair. Like, can you at least give me your phone number so then I can tell you if I'm not? Hmm. This is a bit too much at stake to do that, in my opinion. I don't know if I could do it. What about, could you ever bring yourself to be so romantic, Jaden, and do this? Well, in the modern day, no, because it's just negligent at that point when, when communication is so easy. You know? Right. When you have a uh, oh. fucking Instagram or whatever. Yeah. Um. Back then, I think it is because, you know, how much is an international phone call going to cost? How long is it going to take to ship a letter? You know, it's like... A letter? I can't... <laughs> they can just call each other. Yeah, but how much is an international phone call going to cost you on your fucking oh, landline? Oh, yeah, five and, bucks. And, you know, you're fucking standing in your basement and, you know, you're fucking hogging three hours talking to your French girlfriend and your mom's like, get off, I need to call Sandra, you know. It's like, oh, fuck. But that versus flying over there. You know, yeah, but that's six months later. Once you've uh, you know gathered a world experience, and maybe oh, you go back there okay. and say, "Oh, okay. you know, I love you," but nah. Did you say that at the end of like the the, the repeat night? Yeah, or the start? Well, that's the oh, other question. Wow. How, how long would the, would the would each person plan? Like, how how long would they put aside for that for that next excursion? Would they put aside only one night or would they put aside more time? Okay, well, I presume they don't go back in six months based on the sequel. I don't know. I presume not. But, so that's going to be interesting. But in it, to answer that question, like there's no deadline. The deadline here is he needs to get his flight. So like, if there's no, if you're coming back specifically for this purpose, then there's surely you can like have like a week or however long you want, you know. Surely. I'm assuming in the complete prediction here, that in the next one, they coincidentally meet again and there's another deadline because they didn't, they had no desire to, or, you know, they weren't, they didn't go there to meet each other or anything. You know what I mean? They did become that couple. They didn't accidentally meet so, each other again. I think, I feel like that's the only way it makes sense. Like, you have maybe, a deadline. Maybe, maybe, maybe they have a successful venture in six months' time and they get married off it. And then before sunset is when they're divorcing. So they're spending one last day together. That's also very, that's, I like that. I mean, it's a bummer, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but that is, you know, there are other possibilities for sure. I'm actually very curious about that, to be honest. 
So yeah, no, that's that. That one was a big one for me for sure. I couldn't do it. I don't know. Another one. Question number two: If knowing, like, would knowing someone I like when they discuss this, knowing every detail about someone, would it irritate you eventually, or eventually make it better, like deepen the relationship? You know what I mean? Well, that's the um. That's, that's another thing I've I've heard thanks to social media, but apparently a lot of marriages do end because um the thing that people f- fall in love with at first becomes something that that becomes annoying, like you know, like like mm. childlike wonder. You know, while it's initially fun, it just gets annoying, and like you know, you just you just drag it down. And you're trying to fucking communicate with this person, you know, or like this intense competitiveness in 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 in, in games. You know, it becomes it's yeah. like. It's like, oh, that's cute commitment, but then it becomes, oh no, he's fucking putting hands through walls, you know, like. So, like, getting to know someone intimately, yeah, I think that definitely does lead to lead to lead to lead to lead to, lead to um, disliking them. Doom. Yeah. Mm, that is very pessimistic, but. Okay, but taking taking more. That's why it's best to lie to your spouses. Um, just oh yeah. Keep mm. it fresh. Yeah. <laughs> Taking more personal, taking more personal perspective, though, the fact that I can predict what Zach, you know, around what rating Zach's going to give a film, does that make me, after you know, seven-ish years of knowing him, does that make our relationship better, or does that annoy me? Does that deepen the connection? I don't know. I think it's a, it's just a different type of love, you know. Okay. It transforms Whoa. over time. Okay, but it hasn't it hasn't annoyed you yet. Because uh, you you're sounding like you're debating like, will it in the future. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, that part hasn't annoyed you, but like he does annoy you in general, though. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I had a feeling that he'd like Leo, and then. He did. So that, that yeah. was kind of like an example of that. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, okay. The real thing, but yeah. How does it make you feel that I still have very little idea like what you're going to think about a movie? I find it much harder to read you guys than apparently you guys can read me. Just don't like people, I guess. I guess. This profound thinkers and, and, and men of mystery and just all around awesome. I will say it is worth pointing out in this little uh, sub-debate that Julie Delpy, Celine, I've never actually called her a fucking character, she, she says that she thinks it would deepen the relationship, right? This is just a mental exercise for her. She's got no, she doesn't know. Like it could just end up pissing her off too. So I'm sort of more inclined to agree that eventually it would just drive everyone mad. It's just more of a matter of when. So mm. in other words, I'm going to drive Liam mad sooner rather than later if I'm not already. Mm. True, true. I was I was watching this video of um, like a divorce lawyer on YouTube just talking about marriages in general that. this week. And he was talking about how like, you know, the, you know, how people in usual marriages kind of bicker and how that's not, that's not good, you know. You need to the, the the marriages that survive, they uh, they're like really supportive of their partner and stuff, you know. Mm. Like they're like their number one uh, ambassador, you know. 
that makes sense. So hang on, wait, was he, he wasn't giving legal advice. He was giving like, he was using his insight as a lawyer to provide like yeah. personal insight into relationships. Like candid, yeah, insight, yeah. Right, okay. Oh, into modern relationships. Yeah. But what if, what if the partner just does something that you just absolutely cannot support, you know? What yeah, but you don't, you, you don't, the point is that you don't um, admonish your partner in front of other people. You don't do that kind of thing or you don't like roll your eyes, you know, and like, you know, that kind of thing. But, but, but what if she's like an unlivable fan all of a sudden after 20 years of marriage, like it's just instant divorce, isn't it? What'd you say? Don't worry. Shit joke, we can move on. I can't, I can't wait for who you marry, Jan. I just can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be great. Um, Absolutely. I'll warn them. Charm or I am. I'll warn them for sure. I'll send them this link. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. If you were the bartender, could you give Ethan Hawke the wine, the red wine on a handshake? Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. Like fucking, especially like like the bottles, bottles of wine that they stock at most bars, they're not top shelf especially in a fucking random bar in hungry like that's just mm-hmm. worth like four bucks and he just gave it to them like it's uh, like our bottles are worth like i don't know 28 bucks and i would honestly like at the end of the night i would still give it to someone if i you know if i cared a little bit less about my job just a little bit less <laughs> okay okay like you wouldn't even like the the situation of the the person asking you wouldn't even like how much would that weigh into it because like yeah, he's yeah. trying to make the plea on like oh it's here one night but, but no, like, 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 I've, I've had I've had quite a few like oh no I know, I know the I know the boss you know oh it's for their family and I'm like yeah fuck it take it oh okay all right all right all right I like I like your insight as a hospitality expert that's good mm. um I don't I thought it was a, okay so you, you do change it a little bit for me in that well, the wine's apparently quite cheap so I was sort yeah. of thinking it must be a big yeah. deal. Nah, fuck, dude. Alcohol is like a four hundred percent markup. Like what you what you pay for it, it compared to what like businesses pay for it, it's initial, man. Uh, right, but even still, that's still lost. Like that's still lost profit. Yeah, four bucks potentially. No, but like you know what I'm saying. Like just like you could have sold it to someone else. Do you think I care enough? <laughs> sure, but if you're the owner of the place, yeah, I cannot tell you how. Uh, no, Nah. <laughs> this is a really funny perspective, like an owner versus owner slash business perspective versus yeah. the the worker perspective. Yeah. yeah. Do you want me to cut this? So you still hired? Do you want me to cut this? So you still hired? No, it's up to you. Places in the future. Yeah. I'm trying to get out. I'm trying to never work hospitality again, so I don't really care. Oh, you know. fuck it. It's staying yeah. in then. All right. Fitzy, any thoughts? Well, it's different from food, but like in hospitality, the most the most waste from food comes from the the restaurant and not from the you know the customers not finishing their meal or anything. And it's not exactly like that for wine because you can just they can just sit there and you can store it. But like I feel like it's a similar principle where if you give a little bit away, it doesn't really doesn't really matter because yeah, as Jane said, it's like mm. cheap to buy in bulk and stuff. Okay. I'll just cheat okay. in general. Yeah. I like that. I like that you agree with Jane, but you took a very much more like a, you know, in-depth commercial perspective to it. I like that. Yeah, I was appealing, appealing to both of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well done. Well done. You see this pregnant woman come into, come into your workplace 
and, and, and you see her actively trying to steal bananas and you catch her, but she's like, no, please, you know, my, my kids, they're, 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 they're desperate, you know, it's like they need food, you know, and I've got a third one on the way. But you're like, no, uh, you know, my, my place of work has a very clear policy on, 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 on theft. You need to put bananas back, you know. Is, is, is that what you're like or? Oh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't even confront them, dude. I would just like <laughs> let them walk, you know. Mm. Depending how much they've, they've stolen, I guess. You see, if Zach was your boss, he would, he'd let you go right now. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I understand not confronting them, but then I feel like I thought you were going to say, then you'd just like call the cops. <laughs> On the pregnant woman trying to feed her kids. <laughs> Mate, if, she's, if you just said like she's starving in your scenario and she's got another one on the way, it's like, dude, come on. Have you heard of contraception? Like, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> seriously. Anyway, you've got to make some wiser choices out there, people. You know what I mean? <sighs> anyway. <laughs> this is uh, actively yeah. is encouraging child protective service to get on everyone that is struggling. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, shit. Where do we go from here? Bloody. Um, <laughs> okay. This is. Okay. I'm curious in your takes on this. The two leads, of course, Julie Delpy, Ethan Hawke. Are they in the same league? Uh, do you mean as, 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 as quality or like as like fame? What? No, attractiveness. Sorry. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I, was, I was trying to think, like, are they a well-matched couple in that respect? Yep. I think they're in the same league. Yeah. I agree. I mean, she's much more fashion fashionable, but um, and Ethan Hawke's got, like, really, you know, greasy ass hair, but, yeah, mm. they're, they're, they're pretty, they're on the same wavelength, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's important, I feel like, in this kind of movie that you don't have one that's slightly... Went down the other, you know what I mean? I feel like the whole movie could honestly, I'm not even half, I'm sort of half joking, but like the whole movie might fall apart on that shit. If you're like the whole time you're half thinking, hmm. don't know if she'd uh, go for that, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, no, that's good. I thought, I'm just, I'm just trying to think of any other scenes, exchanges we want to shout out. I thought like the fake phone well, conversations um, were pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think my, my 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 biggest drawback with the film is um is is, is the kissing, because after oh. seeing after seeing a, a numerous uh, you know romances where kissing is non-existent, you know, okay, Pride and Prejudice, you know, past lives and all that shit, like kissing as a as a, as a symbol of romance has been has been has been has been lessened to me, you know, to the point of Pride and Prejudice, don't No, there's no kisses in Pride and Prejudice. Bullshit. No way. You tell me at the scene at the end when they walk, walk through the field, they don't kiss. I thought, I thought the whole point of the movie was that they don't kiss. Not the whole point of the movie, but like I think I like I think like they made a point of not kissing. I'm just and trying to imagine that scene. Like, there's no way that scene works and they don't kiss, right? I don't actually remember. But like, I swear, there's. Like, you know the scene I'm talking about, right? Like the, yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. one right at the end. Don't they kiss in past lives anyway in the flashback scene? Like the writers. Um, Residency thing, which is like the, the Korean dude isn't American. The Korean dude isn't there. Yeah, but <laughs> her and the American. The, the, he's oh no, I think they kiss in the movie. I think Jane. Are you? Hang on. Oh shit. Wait, Jane. You're saying that the the the, the two, like the Korean. Yeah, the Koreans don't. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're yeah. not saying there's no kissing in the movie. Sir? No. 
Okay. This would just blow my mind if there's no Kiss and Pride and Prejudice, to be honest with you. Uh, I can't really find a decent fucking source. I don't, I don't, really, I don't know how long it might make. It this. might make me bump the movie up a point if there's no actually no Kiss in that. In that uh, I need to deal with this ad for a second and then I'll watch the scene. You can, you're then you to just watch Matthew McFady and Kieran Knightley just kiss and then we're just going to like wrap up the show because this whole point's falling apart. Wait, so actually, Jane, what? Wait, hold on. I need to, I'm sorry. I need, I need to like, don't talk to me for a second right. uh, because <laughs> it's an interview, not a scene. Sorry. No, that's all right. End of the scene, they're kissing here. Liam, did you like the fake phone conversations? Yeah, that was all right. Oh, boo. Yeah, so, sorry. Well, sorry, sorry. I'll, I'll let you bad. finish. No, that's right. I know. Right. Uh, yeah, so in Pride and Prejudice, in the in the worldwide release, there's no kissing, but in the in the US release, there is a kiss because they felt like US audiences needed them. But, okay, all right. Just, so, what the fuck happens in that scene then? They just em- they embrace each other passionately. and They, 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 they hug? They, 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 they hug and they affirm each other and they, you know, they, they, they say everything they need to. That's so weird. Yeah, I just can't yeah, wait. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, like, just like in this film, like, I think the first kiss is probably important because you know that's what you do in romance. And like, I'm like, I think if they didn't, they'd probably be weirder than not, like on the Ferris wheel. But then after that, it just kind of feels like a shallow motif of like, oh no, look, they have to kiss again to like, you know, just to reinforce that they are loving each other. Like, not like you don't need to okay. show us the kisses beyond that, you know. Like yeah. by by two, three, four, and then fucking five. Like it's like, yeah, it's you know, it's like it, it yeah. feels lazy. Yeah. No, that makes sense to me. I get that. I would have been fine if they didn't kiss the whole time. Um, mm. I, no, I, I do, regardless if they kiss in private registers or not, I do I agree with your overall point that I feel like the weight of a kiss should be significant in a film, and it's often not. And I don't disagree that in this film it could have been heavier. Instead, I guess the conflict was like, are they going to sleep together? Which, by the way, did they actually in the end? Because I feel like that was kind of ambiguous. No, they don't. You just think they didn't? Mm. Oh, we didn't see it, so. That's sort of what I felt it was left a bit ambiguous, personally. Yeah, it was like a cutaway moment, I guess. Yeah. I lean towards no, but like, I, I felt like I was meant to be asking this question, but apparently not. Did I? So you just assumed they didn't? Yeah. Okay, all right, all right. But like, the kissing. The, uh, the, I think the kissing's fine because it's not supposed to be a symbolic thing like each kiss isn't supposed to signify some deepening of the relationship because it's just like it, it it's a naturalistic movie anyway so it's just kind of you know these people are going to kiss a few times in the night and they show that and uh the kissing is adolescent anyway as as julie delvey kind of mm. points out to to his style of kissing his adolescent so yeah it's fine there was like you know, the, it did feature a few times, but mm. that's uh, realistic, I guess. So. No, that's fair enough. Get Aaron, Jaden, your one, your one negative comment on the film. Yeah, I disagree with Liam, though, but, you know, it's, uh, no, it's, it's no. fine. Disagree with that? No. Um, were there any other, before I get to Luke and Andy's reviews, were there any other standout moments we need to talk about that I've passed up on? I love the fake phone conversations. I don't know. I, yeah. I thought they were great because they sort of were like, there was just this funny way of like, you know, they were actually like revealing more to each other, you know, about how they felt. But like in this mm. comedic way, yeah. it was good. Mm. I 100% called, by the way, you know, when they met the poet dude 
and like I literally, I promise you, I started writing down. Did the does the poet just have the same poem and insert a line each time? And then Ethan Hawke said it, and I was like, "Well, you you're both on the cynical kind of." I'm right. Both just hate the world. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, I thought because like the rest of the poem had like nothing to do with it, and then he just made one line fit in. Well, you expect him to write a whole poem about milkshakes? Well, that's what he fucking said he would do. So no, he said he said he'd take the word and write a poem. Yeah. No, you use the word in the poem. That's like, like how. Yeah. What's 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 a poet that takes himself seriously doing writing a poem about milkshakes, man? Like, come on, mate. He, that was. I, I'm not disagreeing with that, but that was his premise. He said, "I'll write a poem about this word right now." Yeah, like, and, and then he got given milkshake. You know, he was probably expecting, "Oh, give me fucking deformity or some shit like I mean, <laughs> something that something I can romanticize and fucking criticize or some shit." I don't know. I thought like, milkshake's a good word. But he didn't say he'd write a poem about the word. He said he'd use the word in a poem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not saying that he technically didn't, but like, can we agree that like, if you met someone on the street and they told you that, like, the understanding would be that they're going to write a poem from scratch. There's a bit oh, of. There's a bit scratch. of. No, but oh my god! <laughs> I can't believe this! I can't believe this right now. He's, he's playing, I don't know, there's a bit of manipulation going on here, I swear to God. Choose to believe in love, Zach. Anyway, he was a homeless dude, he's probably dead now. Um, all right. Jeez. Luke wrote in a review for Sunset, Sunrise, sorry. And he said, charming and sweet characters, honestly, and vulnerability was associated positively with my investment and attention. I started the film looking at my phone and computer, ended with eyes glued to the screen. I'm glad they acknowledged that they missed the cow play. I was thinking about that constantly. <laughs> Eight out of ten. That's so funny. Hey, I, I I totally forgot about it too. I was right there with them. No, oh, no, I, I was thinking about it. I was, I was waiting for them to go to it for ages oh, until hilarious. until it clearly got to the time where like they would have missed it. I was like, oh shit. That's so funny. I uh, yeah, I totally forgot. So that was funny. Andy wrote in and said. Now that I've already seen the whole trilogy, I appreciated the awareness and subtlety of this first film a lot more than my original viewing, as I probably didn't have a mature enough approach to Richard Linkla- uh, Linklater, sorry, Richard, Link- Richard Linklater's vision back then. Undoubtedly, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delby has one of the strongest on-screen connections I've seen. Definitely a movie that has inspired past lives in some ways since we've reviewed it. It's really endearing watching two people lurk around the city and passively chatting together, and I really enjoyed the way the camera intriguingly explores Vienna a lot more on this rewatch. I love how I can actively sort of take part in their philosophical discussions and briefly think about in my own head with my own perspective on what they're on about. Exactly, exactly. Even when the conversations are simple, it really keeps you profoundly engaged. It feels like a realistic way of capturing love at first sight, the charm of getting to know someone, and ultimately a fleeting moment of attraction. It's a shame that if I did this when I travelled to Europe, it would be considered creepy today. <laughs> well, probably because of how I look. Come on, man. Uh, Jaden agrees with you, though. Dr. Luke will no doubt succeed because his charm is on a whole other level until he starts doing a Ben Mendelsohn impersonation and the girl will really walk away to the cops. Um not sure how well this film fits with the sensitive G- Gen Z crowd, um, but it doesn't make what generation you were born into. Wait, what? I'm sorry. Wait, I fucked this whole thing up. 
<laughs> oh, but oh, oh, it's a quote from the film. But it doesn't matter what generation you were born into, right? That's what they, someone says. Yeah, yeah, I think she says it. Yeah. Um, okay. For everyone, I think Before Sunrise is a truly warm, fulfilling, and beautiful masterpiece done in a sweet, minimalistic manner. Amongst all the realism that was going on, the scene where they are lying down under the stars feels really dreamy while watching it at almost 3 a.m. You're like getting in there, lining at the real time there. Mm. Um, 10 out of 10, but my scale is fairly different. So Dr. Luke equally loves it as much as I did, if you want to interpret it that way. But I want this to be in the 10 club, so there you have it. Indeed. It's in Andy's 10 club. Huge. Yippee. Yippee. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Andy. Okay. Uh, are we good to get to our final verdicts? Mm. Yeah. Excellent. Let's get to our final verdicts for Before Sunrise Fitzy. Uh, seven. I'll give it a seven out of ten. Um, yeah. Uh, there's no real downsides or anything. Um, I uh, Maybe I was a bit – maybe I enjoyed um, like the middle section the most. And then it kind of teetered out or whatever, but I mean, it's—I don't think it's the film or anything. I just think, I think in general, I just like some uh, a bit more, you know, oomph to a film. But the—I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a seven out of ten. Yes. I'm exactly with you. It's a strong seven for me, for sure. Yeah, I, I was definitely between a seven and eight. I'm gonna go with a seven. Yeah, just because. Like if I'm pe- like I wouldn't change the film, I wouldn't change it. I promise. But yeah, just in terms of my own taste, like yeah, I, I agree with the oomph factor. I agree with it is quite a samey film. You know what I mean? But um, very enjoyable for what it is for sure. I think it's I think it's oh god damn, I was gonna say it's great, but that's like my eighth thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I'll give it a strong seven. I, I'll, I'll put it this way: I could have given it an eight if Jane de- didn't derail this podcast like five times. So um, you know that's on him. Well, Jane, what are you giving it? You need a nine. Nice. I always gave it an eight just because, I don't know, you, you guys were talking about seven. I was like, oh, shit, hold on. Actually, did I actually like it that much? I was like, I, an hour and 40 is a bit long for what it is, but, you know, I was like, eh, Right. Nah, I sort of, no, I don't I disagree like, with that. Yeah. Because um, I, I think I saw that the next one's only an hour and 20, so that, that's, uh, that seems much healthier. Um, but, yeah, a nine. I really did love this. Really, really did. And nice. Nice. Perhaps because I have an imagination. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing we took away from this show, it's that. Let's get into some news chat, guys. Another year, another Academy Awards 2024. The Oscars are back. Oh, let's go! Let's go. Um, so, um, we'll go through. Well, let's go through some of the main categories and just give any thoughts or predictions we may have. You know what I mean? We don't need a diddy daddle, but anything that pops up. Um, acting in a leading role, actor, that is, because acting is, you know, can be either. But the nominees for this are Bradley Cooper in Maestro. Why the fuck did Maestro. I just say Maestro? <laughs> <laughs> I just said Maestro. Um, Coleman Domingo in Rustin, which I have not heard anything about at all. Have you guys heard of this one? No. No, no, really. uh, we've got big Paul Giamatti in the holdovers, Killian Murphy in Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright in American Fiction. I throw it to you. Any oh, thoughts or questions? I wonder who will win. You think it's just going to be Killian? 
Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think the night's going to be Oppenheimer versus other films rather than it being like five films duking it out, you know. Right, mm. right, right, right. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a good shout. I mean, Killing won the Globe, so it's a good sign for it, for sure. Mm. You think it's his, Jaden? Probably. What was, what, what was the other film that you said before that? Uh, oh, hold, hold overs? Hold on, wait. I think no. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. And I, like, I know people do love Giamatti, but I think, I, I don't know. Like, I think even amongst the Academy, I think like it is still a popularity contest, so I think the bigger film will win it. Mm. It is It is actors voting on this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Only. So, like, that – yeah, but, yeah, I mean, he won the – yeah, I don't know. I, I think Killian wins it. Um, I want to see American Fiction. I love Jeffrey Wright. I just haven't seen it. And um, I per- my, my favourite performance here is Paul, personally. Yeah. Alas. He was very good. Dude, your review with Betty's eye was so spot on. I was, like, la- smiling the whole – like, laughing and smiling the whole time every time he got a close-up. Yeah, that was, was so hilarious. That was such a good choice. He so he he was like the main character, right? Like well, the kid was kind of the one that had the arc. I mean, they both had the an arc, but it, they were like, they were equal protagonists, in my opinion. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess that yeah, the kid the kid was a new actor though, right? So I don't know. He doesn't get a shout, I guess. Hmm. But it you'd go with to be Paul a massive campaign for him. Yeah, you'd go with Paul over him for sure for an award season. Yeah. Um. Actor in a supporting role. Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction, Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon, Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer, Ryan Gosling for Barbie, and Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things. This one's harder, I think. I would give it to Mark. Straight up. Personally, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. I think Robbie wins for Oppie though. I yeah, I think I think I think I think Robert Downey Jr. wins and he would be my pick. Hmm. He's my personal, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. It's between those two. And yes. That'd be good. You wouldn't give a shout out to, to Ryan? Oh, yeah. 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 One of his best comedic performances, as we all know. Um <laughs> yeah. But no, I wouldn't I wouldn't give him an Oscar for Barbie. Yeah. And I love you, De Niro, but I'm sorry. Nah. No. I don't is Killers gonna win anything? I'm like I know Lily I know it is might win. Best actress. True, true. Oh yeah, true. yeah, yeah. That's a good chat. We'll get there. Yeah, I um, I know we're lower on it than most. Like, I know it is a well liked film overall. Like people do really like it, but like I still don't see it winning many things here. I really don't. No, I I, I would say that best actress might be the only thing it takes. Let's get there right now. Best actress in a leading role, Annette Benning for Niad, Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, Sandra Hula or Hula, I don't know, for Anatomy of a Fall, Kerry Mulligan for Maestro, I did it again, and uh, Emma Stone for Poor Things. But why, why did Nyad get Why did Nyad get nominations? That was like a Netflix film about a swimmer who like swam the ocean or something. Half documentary as well, wasn't it? Yeah, sure. But... Uh, th- I, I, this is not me trying to be sexist. This is purely a comment on like an observation. I feel like every year the actress in a leading role category specifically gets like a movie thrown in there that's like not nominated for anything else because it's like, I don't know if they, there's just not enough actresses like in leading roles. You know what I mean? Like this happens every year. I swear to God. Like when, when uh, like uh, Jessica Chastain won mm. for that Tammy oh, Faye right. movie or whatever. And it's like, 
You know what I mean? Like it happens every now and again. You just throw in. And what was, in this was that one last year that caused a lot of um, so controversy? Like was, it, was it um, Andrea Rosenberg? Yeah, yeah. It's the one that Fitzy brings up Do all it. the time. Yeah. What is it? The bloody. You know, the one where the, the all the actresses campaigned oh, together. Yeah, Leslie, like the movie whatever. didn't get any other yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's all. I feel like this category always gets that. So I feel like Nyad's mm. this year's version of that. Andrew Rosenberg, yeah. Well, no great Alicia is uh, heartbreaking. Uh, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's an epic fail. I'm just going to say that. Um, but yeah, I, I think Lily sure. takes that. Yep. Mm, I can't. She yeah, probably takes it. Lily takes that it is yeah. stiff competition. Like Sandra Hiller was really good. Anatomy, Anatomy of Vaughan. Emma Stone is. I mean, she won the, you know, the Globe. So, um, I think it'd be close. True. Yeah. True. So, oh yeah, Lily didn't win the Globe. Interesting. That's that's noteworthy. Okay. Mm. Uh, for me, it's Kerry Mulligan, personally. I think she's phenomenal. I love Kerry Mulligan anyway. Actress in a supporting role. Emily Blunt in Oppenheimer. Danielle Brooks in The Color Purple. America Ferreira in Barbie. Jodie Foster in Nyad. There you go again. And uh, Devine Joy Randolph in The Holy. Well, she won the Globe, which surprised me when they announced that. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Devine's most likely to win. Um, I don't know why America Ferrera is here. Like this, this is the only nomination for Barbie that doesn't make sense. Like, Barbie had amazing production design and costume design, and Ryan Gosling was hilarious. Um, you know, maybe Margot Robbie should have been there, if anyone. But America Ferrera, she actually Margot Robbie's yeah. my idea. Sure, yeah. I definitely would take that. Yeah. Oh, you, well, well, hang on. But to be clear, you take oh, Greta, Greta Lee. Uh, yeah. Before you yeah. put Greta Lee, but then yeah, I agree. Then Margot yeah, still goes yeah. over Nia. Yeah, no, I, I only seen the movie. That's probably. But America for yeah. she didn't. You um, didn't do much in Barbie. You know, she, I mean, no, she, she had that one speech. You know, know. it's literally that Are one. You gonna speech, show that on the clip room? They got her in this. <laughs> the entire <Yep>. thing, hundred <laughs> <100%. Yeah. laughs> percent. Exactly. Um, I love Emily Blunt, but I don't know. I don't really see it. Mm, yeah, that's between her and Devine, I think. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Animated feature film, The Boy and the Heron, Elemental, Nimona, remember that? Robot Dreams, and Across the Spider-Verse. I think this is the category I've seen most of them, because I've seen four out of five, which is nice. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've seen more than me. I haven't seen Robot I don't know what Robot Dreams is, that's all. I would give it to Boy and the Heron. Although I like Spider Verse more, oh, I would okay. I think okay okay you're, yeah 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 I th- I think Boy in the Heron takes it and I think it should take it. Into the Spider Verse did win I think right twenty whenever that was I think so I think it I think it did win that year yeah so there is precedent there I don't know I feel like Nimona is a sure bet personally I can't tell you you're taking the piss or not that was just joking okay <laughs> actually I don't hate Nimona or anything I kind of liked it but yeah anyway there you go. Um, should we do cinematography? Yeah, let's do cinematography. Um, Edward Lockman for El Condi. I don't know if it, you mentioned this in the Discord, right, Jed? I yeah, think. yeah, I, I watched that. Um, okay, yeah. I, I haven't heard of this. Yeah, I don't know. It just popped up on my on my Netflix, uh, you know, new and popular page, and and one time, and I, I just watched it. Uh, oh, yes. Okay. Like yeah, the photography is nice, but like it's like I said in the in the in the in the Discord, it's just that it, it is kind of just your kind of standard like uh, minimal black and white shots. Um, okay. 
it's okay. you know it's pleasing but I, I don't know i didn't think there was anything more than that to it gotcha okay um rodrigo prieto for kills of the flower moon matthew labatic for maestro oppenheimer is of course hoiter coming in and poor things robbie ryan hmm. could killers win this one speaking of it not winning much maybe but i feel like poor things can also win this true true this is this yeah well yeah god it's hard to go past oppenheimer again that's a tough one yeah i think that's, that's, that's definitely a difficult one actually all right my I'm, I'm locking in oppenheimer as my prediction though but yeah that's tough if in doubt go oppenheimer you know mm-hmm. yeah honestly yeah if i get i'll be open shitter <laughs> costume design I'm just going to oh, – huge shout-out to all the costume designers out there. I'm just going to save some time by not watching your names. Barbie, Kills of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Um, I think Poor Things should take this just out of what I've seen. I haven't seen Napoleon, so I don't really know what that's like. But um, I, I mean, know. it's good period stuff, but, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I think I, I really like Poor Things uh, uh, costumes. Yeah, that's a good shout. Barbie's got a chance. Yeah, I hope Barbie wins. Yeah. Poor Things would – Deserve it. I, I think Barbie 100 percent deserve production design, but that's it. Not costume and making nah. that. Oh, yeah. this is costume. Uh, yeah, you can't really go past it for production design, to be honest. You, yeah, I don't know what else would take that. Yeah. Directing. Justine Triet is that how you say it for Anatomy of a Fall. Sure. Um, <laughs> It's acceptable. Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, Mr. Nolan for Oppenheimer. Yorgos for Poor Things. And Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest, which is the only one I haven't seen. Oh, no, I haven't seen Anatomy of Fall. I need to see those. Mm. Is Zone of Interest even out in Australia yet? I think it's think showing so. in like Melbourne or something, maybe. Yeah, I got a I got a trailer for that as like on like a random YouTube video, and it was fucking awesome. And I have been oh okay yeah, I definitely need to see that one for sure. Sandra Hull is uh, she's in that too. Figure for her. What else was she in? Another movie before. Oh, cool. Okay, are they both? I oh, know they're both foreign films. Are they? Zone of Interest well, is in, is English, isn't it? UK oh, is film it? anyway. Oh, it, sorry, it's no. from Glazer, but it's set in Nazi Germany, so I guess it's yeah. I, I guess it's still Hollywood. I don't know what they okay. think it's like subtitled, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I feel like I feel like this is Chris's year. He won the Globe. Give him his Oscar, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he would hundred percent deserves it for 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 Dunkirk over this, but yeah, I still um, mm. he needs it now. Yeah. You're still a bit dirty on that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Give it to him. Lock it in. Um, let's skip over these ones. Whoa, we're just oh. skipping. Um, do you uh, do you want to do documentary short film, Jaden? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Film editing, Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Kills of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. I don't really think Holdovers deserves it. Um, no, I agree. Anatomy of Oppenheimer probably... Poor things was, was pretty an like poor things was pretty linear and pretty basic, but yeah, maybe anatomy of a fall. The way it kind of because it it's a 
courtroom drama um, structured around a relationship, so they kind of cut back and forth between, you know, brief, like, candid, like, glimpses of the relationship and then back to, like, the courtroom and the camera work. Okay. The editing within the courtroom is kind of interesting too, so I think that would I'd be fine if that won. Okay. Cool. Cool. But obviously Oppenheimer is, like, you know, amazing Based. editing. Yeah, no doubt, yeah. Has, has Jennifer got a Academy Award yet? Don't think so. Mm. Original score. American fiction. Laura Cartman. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. John Williams. Kills of the Flower Moon. Robbie Robertson. Oppenheimer. Old Ludwig. And Poor Things. Jerskin. Fendrix? Fendrix, yes. They throw John in there just because cause he's John. Yeah, you know Mm, yeah. I honestly don't feel too intensely for any of these, to be honest. I feel like this is the one, really? I feel like this is the one Oppenheimer most deserves. I think the score is already iconic and like one of the best things about Oppenheimer, for me at least. I think it's definitely got a really great score, but when I think about, uh, like, when I think back to what we said in the Killers of Flower Moon episode, I think the music is something that I did praise intensely. What's that little country jingle? Like the... like the Yeah, and like the thumping bass that kind of permeates the film, I think is the words I use. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I honestly think I could give it to to Killers over Oppie here. Wow. But I think Oppie would win. Um, Yeah. But yeah, as a score, I'd listen to independently. It's 100% Oppenheim. But like, you know, I think as as something that services the film, I think it would be Robbie. Hmm. You did, yeah. You did like that score in the review. I remember. Mm. All right, best picture. These were the ones I added. All of them in my watch list I hadn't seen yet. American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. Any omissions that we feel strongly about here? Iron Claw. Is, um... Did you expect it though? Because it just had no award buzz at all. Uh, yeah, no, honestly, yeah. I think it, it, it only came out like towards the latter end of the year. I don't think there was really any push for it at all. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It kind of feels like, to me, it kind of feels like this year's Babylon in terms of like a film that is quite well-rated audience-wise, a high-quality film for sure, but then just like the Academy just doesn't give a shit about it for whatever reason. Hmm. Mm. Well, did yeah. Babylon come out like? Because Iron Claw definitely was like a later film, but I can't remember about. Babylon was a it was pretty similar mm. timeline. Just time. But it, like it, it still could like it still can like Babylon was still nominated for score. Like it still gets in. So yeah, I don't know what they're doing there. This is stacked. Some great movies here. Yeah, Past Lives takes it for me. Um, obviously, obviously yes. after our discussion, listen to the the cinema effect awards. Awards, of course, yes. better than this shit anyway. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I'm glad it got that nom, um, despite missing out on so many others. Yeah, uh, I mean, it also got best like screenplay or, or whatever. But... Oh yes, it did. it did. It did get best original screenplay. Mm. I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Actually, you know what? fuck it. You can give it. You can give best picture to Oppie. Let Chris take his day, but then give best writing to Saloon. Yeah, well, they're not in the same category. So yeah. You can give it to both. I think it's Oppenheimer. I think it wins. I think it's got it. 
But this category does often sometimes, I mean, everything everywhere last year, I guess. This category can sometimes have an upset, you know? Green Book. Coda. Yeah. Like, what would Coda be this year? Would it be Past Lives? I mean, Past Lives is obviously better than Coda, but I just mean in terms of, like, the sort of more indie-feeling film. I don't know. American Fiction. Was that nominated for Best? Yeah. Yeah, mm. I think that's more creative vibes cool. to me. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Fitzy, you got to lock in your prediction. Uh, I mean, Oppenheimer is the obvious prediction. Um, yeah, but if I had to go with the left field one, I'd say like Zone of Interest, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is that one been? Like, I I just literally. Had never heard of it, saw it was nommed, added it to watch list. Is it well received? Like, are people really yeah, it's really well received. Yeah, cool. Okay, okay, nice. Definitely need to watch that. This might be the year where I feel like I've got the most head start on these because usually, like, it come, this list comes out and I've seen like half of them and I need it. Like, I'm missing three, which is better than normal. That's good. Well, I was surprised that the list was only 56 films long. Like on Letterboxd, like when when like when they put like all the films in one list, it was only fifty six. I feel like in the past it's been like eighty. Yeah, yeah, that's true. A fair bit of overlap here. Mm. Um, let's switch out the last few one, last few ones that I think we'd actually like. Um, visual effects. Wait, so hang on. Is it, have any of you seen Godzilla minus one? No, no, none of us have seen that yet. Oh, okay, maybe it'll be less interesting than I thought. But the creator, Godzilla minus one, Guardians three. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part One, and Napoleon. I could never give it to a Marvel film because I hate the way that I hate the way space looks in Marvel films. You know, oh, I, don't, okay. I don't, I don't like the little swirly galaxies that they have everywhere. Um, so, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, um, yeah, yeah, I actually know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah, and then I can't. Yeah, um, I'd give it to Mission Impossible because I haven't seen the other ones. But yeah, I expect after well, I see the creator, and then yeah. You know, Right, we'll do the we're doing the creative soon spoilers, so mm. we'll get to that. But um, I don't know. Like people might say God. I know everyone loves Godzilla minus one, so maybe people would say that. But um, the creator's not even close for me. Oh really? No. Huh. Um, Napoleon was kind of impressive in its own way, but because of the ultra violence they do, that looks really good. Hmm. Why? Why? Why Mission Impossible for this category though? Because there was a lot of like practical shit. In that film, they painted out the ramp that Tom Cruise mm. leapt off of. Oh, mm, true. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I don't think it's a winner here. They had to paint out Henry Cavill's mustache. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was for that other movie. That was for uh, Zaddy's movie. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, adapted screenplay. Oh, Oppenheimer's going to win that, all right? Yeah. Do we even need to bother? Original screenplay. Okay. Anatomy of a Fall. The Holdovers. Maestro, May, December, and Past Lives. Yeah, honestly, a stacked category, which is uh, yeah, tough for Celine. Would you give it to it? You'd give it to Anatomy Fitzy? I know Andy would. No, I wouldn't give it to it. I mean, I think it has a really good chance because it won both at Cannes and you know the Golden Globes. But mm. I would give it to May, December for sure. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Top notch screenplay, yeah. Nice. Okay, that's another one. I, yeah, I wasn't. I didn't add it right to my watch list because it didn't make best picture, but I need to check that out for sure. 
Okay. Are you upset I that mean, the uh, kid from that didn't get nominated at all, Lame? Oh, Charles Melton. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was like, he was fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I think some people are talking about him, but like being snubbed. Um, but this is like one, it's one of his first like major things after whatever, like Riverdale, whatever it was in previously. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So it, it makes perfect sense. But I think, you know, if the Oscars were like objective, then yeah, he definitely um, deserves something. He was like the best, he was like the best performance of the year for me. Like, yeah. Oh, cool. Great. Okay. Shit. That's awesome. I love Celine's. Oh, it's hard. I don't think I'd give her this because for me, just be like, I'm not, like I scoops really good, but like for me, when I think of parcelized, it's all, I think of the shots and the editing and the yeah. performances. Like I think those standout moments to me are created on screen, not in the script. So it's like, not to say they weren't in the script, but you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So I'd probably, I'd, I'd, I'd probably give it to the holdovers, but like I, I am missing two critical ones there. Did you guys feel bad that the uh, the guys from Past Lives didn't get any nominations? Like I thought, like the Korean guy, I reckon he, he definitely deserved some attention. He was very good. Yeah, he was very good. I mean, for any, but any, like, would you agree that like if you put anyone up, it's greater? Well, I mean, she was put up for the Globe, so yeah, sure. Like yeah. you, you put greater up if anyone, mm. but but yeah, yeah, she was only put up for the. Oh my god, I'm sorry, I actually won't. I'm actually not going to do it. I'm sorry. I was so close to fucking doing it. <laughs> oh, I'm stopping myself. I'm sorry. Okay. I was going to go another Golden Globe splitting the categories tangent. Um, okay. Bullshit. Was she put in comedy or, or like fucking thing? Well, Please. no, no. She was in drama, but the only reason I'm just, I was going to say oh, the only okay. reason she got in is because they had uh, more spaces. Oh, know? dude. I was going to say, uh, fuck if they. Okay. <laughs> no, it's the same with Margot. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Um, that's it. Oscar noms. We'll see how we go. Is it in March? It's usually in like early March, isn't it? No clue. A few yeah. weeks. We'll, see. we'll, be, we'll be here to cover it. Um, excellent. Let's get into a couple trailers we saw this week. Fitzy watched this trailer for um, Jake Gyllenhaal and I believe it's Doug Lyman, right? The Roadhouse. Yeah. Roadhouse, yeah. Um, no, it, it, was, it was pretty awesome, actually. It was like a trashy, like Florida... No, it might not be set in Florida, but it looks like that um, boxing movie. Um, he has to like defend this kind of outback um, ranch kind of. I don't know, like well, no, no ranch, like a like an outback like bar kind of thing. I don't know what it's called, but um, yeah, it looks really fun. Um, he's kind of this. Uh, he's he's playing like his usual like he's he's got his usual Gyllenhaal like charm. He's not like it grizzly as he was in like south pole but he's got this like rough side to him i guess and he's like fighting conor mcgregor and these you know people that want to invade the territory or whatever so it, look, it looks fun okay. it looks like a fun kind okay. of action you know martial arts kind of film so yeah nice it's coming to prime i don't know if this i don't want to spread like more I don't want to give fuel to the fire of like more bullshit that happened with the flash, but I, there was something going around with this movie where like, apparently like Jake, like was like thought it was so good that he was like trying to get Amazon to release it theatrically because they weren't going to, they aren't going to do that at the moment. Well, I, I saw that, that Doug is boycotting like the film's release because they promised him that it would be a theatrical release, but then they pulled that. So Doug's like boycotting his own film. 
Well, there you go. There is something to that then. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Well, I don't know. I don't really care about that, but if it's a good film, that's great. We'll watch mm. it. Um, Jan, you, you actually, I, I just need to like confirm it on air, like to just make this clear. Like you, you actually are ditching me on the Bad Batch trailer right now. Yeah. I completely forgot to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you see, you, you know, you know, you know, Ventress is in it. Oh, I know. What the fuck? Oh, oh my God. Okay. So, all right. Zach Star Wars minute. Give me give me one minute here. Okay, so the, the final season of the Bad Batch trailer came out. First of all, Jane, how do you feel about it being the final season? I'm happy. I'm I'm, I'm glad that they 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 know to not overexist this day. You know. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I think the the show did improve with this next season, but uh, you know, I think they can really cinch it off tightly here. Yeah, especially with their left season two. I feel like this they've got a lot of dramatic stuff going on right now. They can catapult off of yeah i agree um see three seasons feels good it's like avatar last day and like that's just perfect you know so i'm ha- very happy with that and um yeah you get glim- you know it's the bad batch i love the bad batch so you get glimpses of some cool star wars sh- nerdy shit you know like wolf you know shout out to wolf um but of course the main one was ventress at the end of the trailer turned up for the first time in a decade in a star Wars, or more than a decade in a star wars thing so uh, that's pretty damn exciting. It's yes. the albino chick, right? Oh, not albino. What do you call it? Um, <laughs> the pale's the pale bald chick. What's it called when you're like a really skinny? What's that called? Anorexic. Yeah, anorexic. Yeah. Oh, would yeah. you call it anorexic? Well, she, she's got all the she's albino, anorexic, alopecia. <laughs> <laughs> she's well, she's just a fucking alien. But anyway, <laughs> um, how do I say this without? You don't care if I st- spoil Star Wars books, right, Jen? No. Nah. Okay, so Ventress is dead at this point in the timeline. She's meant to be. Oh, so, she actually, okay. I just yeah, so Yeah, so they canceled Clone Wars. She sort of just, she was she was in Clone Wars just in an episode, you know. She never had a resolute ending, right? No. She was just in an episode. They canceled the show. They wrapped up the show and just in a way that just sort of, they just never went back to it. You know what I mean? Wrote a book, died in this book. Anyway, that's all before the Bad Batch. This Bad Batch trailer comes out. This is like two years ahead of that in the timeline. She pops up in this trailer. So it's like, Canon is dead. You know what I mean? But anyway, apparently they've said, they've come out and said that we know the book exists and we're, and it's fine. We're going to explain it. I was like, okay. I don't know how you can explain it because she had a fucking funeral. But anyway. So. Ventress came Whatever. So. I mean, yeah, somehow Ventress has returned. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. We'll see how they do it. I'm, I'm very curious. At the end of the day, I, I'm not that fussy about it. It's fine. I'm very happy to have Ventress. I feel like her on like the vast majority of people, like Jane is a huge fan, didn't even know she died in the book, right? So like the vast for the vast majority of people, like she 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 has no ending and she's still out there and I think that's gonna work great. She deserves more on screen attention and you know, I think that it's great she's back on the board. So I was I'm wondering why I was seeing fan art pop up on the fucking on the on the Reddit. You see her with her yellow lightsaber? No, I didn't say that, but like I saw I saw a drawing and and, and it and it said um uh, the details of my death have been exact uh, has been greatly exaggerated. You know that, that right, exactly. Point. And exactly. I was like, yeah. and I was like, oh well, she never died. You know, she she, she just fucked off for a bit. And like, she did die yeah. apparently. Okay. Yeah, you know, Night Sisters, you know, Resurrection, mm. all that sort. Of, I don't know. They can do some, but anyway, I am, I am ultimately think it's. Uh, we'll see if it ends up being the right move and 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 you know, good. But um, I think for most fans, it's actually probably the right decision. Um, 
for their their connection with the character. You know, going to be a lot of pissed off little boys uh, that Dave Filoni is changing book canon again. Yeah, well, yeah. Apparently, apparently they're not Draven, but we'll mm. see. We'll see. I mean, Darth Maul got cut in half, so there you go. You know what I mean? That's always the example to go back to. Mm. And Palpatine, obviously. You know, they've done this shit many times. Anyway, my time's up. I think I was longer than a minute. I'm sorry. Let's get to our highlights of the week. If we still want to do them, Jaden, do you want to do you want to do one? Um, yeah, I re I rewatched uh, Haunting of Hill House uh, this week. Yeah. Um, we, we were discussing this at the end of last week's episode when uh, you know, we, we, oh, after the recording, perhaps when we were putting up, you know, things that Liam and I like. You know, I was like, oh yeah, I love this. I was like, yeah. fuck, I'm gonna rewatch it now. Um, yeah, and you actually did. I actually did. Yeah, um, yeah. banged out like seven episodes in one day, which was that was a good day. It's yeah, I don't know. Like it, it is just really, really genuinely fantastic. I um, like I don't think I've ever spoken about this on the show because I watched it before the show started. But it is, it is like um, I don't know. Everything about it is just fantastic, and I think like it's the perfect example of why Mike Flanagan is like should be respected in as a as as a, as a modern day horror auteur. The episodes are, you know, they're, they're like the first, they, they take the, each episode takes a different perspective of the characters for the first like six or seven. And then it kind of models it to, in the end, like the perspective that, that, that it is. Um, so that is a really interesting way of communicating the story and uh, the way that information is revealed and gets retold and recontextualized is really fun. Um, and the characters are just really well defined and written. Um, I think it's a really technically uh, um, 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 like amazing series, and the story is just like modernizing this story, this classic story from the fifties, and in, in the way that he does is really impressive. Well, the way that the screenwriter does, um, I can't recall the name now. It's just unfortunate. Mike, um, Mike writes, doesn't he? Mike does write, but yeah, I had a co-writer. I can't recall. Oh, okay. I think it might be Kristen or something like that. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, I thought he wrote his shows. Uh, uh, Rebecca. Uh, is, is... Oh, it looks like there's a fair few people that wrote. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, it's written fantastically. Um, and like, it got to a point where like, it's been so long since I watched it that I was actually like re-experiencing things rather than re- remembering things. So like when, like with some of the reveals, particularly later in the season, um, it was like a genuine shock of learning it anew. And like when one of the things started happening and I started realizing what was happening, the fact that I realized what was happening instead of remembering it, it made that, it made it all so much more effective and it was, it was really fantastic. Um, yeah, it's, it's a hundred percent a horror a series that I would recommend to everyone because it's not scary. Like it's, it, it's got, it's got its share of horror, but like it's, it's more of a drama than, and that, that uses horror elements. Um, and it's it's really fantastic, yeah. It's like when you get you know you say you want to like re-experience something for the first time, you actually sort of. Got I actually it. did, yeah. Yeah, that's dope. Where did so so? I assume this is tops, but like, where do the other his other shows sort of fall for you then? Like in comparison, um, I think like like I was I was thinking about this. I was I was trying to think: is Midnight Mass better? Um, because that's the only one that really like because I haven't seen Midnight Book Club or Fall of Usher. Um, you haven't seen Bly Manor. I have seen Bly Manor. Um, that is not okay. as good. Um, it's, yeah. I don't know. He tries something similar with a similar, not with the similar classic story, but like with another classic story. And like, it, it's fine, but like, um, it, it bored me. 
when I watched it um, for like okay. a few episodes, but then like it kind of came back around in the end. It's still solid, but no, it's nowhere near Midnight Mass or Haunting of the House. Yeah, I'm. W- w- which one tops it? I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, I've been thinking about it long and hard. I think Midnight Mass might just be like that little bit more different from because 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 it's not a haunted house story and it, like I think it, it it is a really fantastic experience as well. I don't know, like Hill House, I have rated higher though. So yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Are you going to jump into the ones you haven't seen? Maybe I Usher, think- actually. Yeah, I'm going to watch Fall of the House of Usher, but I'm not going to watch The Midnight Book Club. Um, that one just didn't interest me. I heard it got cancelled too, so like. Oh, was that meant to be a multi-season thing? I think so, or am I oh, – I don't trust me. No, I don't, I don't know. Getting mixed up. Yeah. But um, I thought I heard something like that. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Fitzy, what have you been watching? I watched Love and Mercy, which is um, it's a biopic movie um, about – uh, Brian Wilson, who was uh, co-founder, kind of the head of the uh, the Beach Boys, um, uh, it's interesting. It, it tells so Paul Dano plays like the younger Brian Wilson, and John Cusack plays the uh, older Brian Wilson. Um, so the story is like heavily, you know, bifurcated, segmented into those two parts, um, and it's just about. I don't know, like his mental struggles and uh, people like controlling his life and that kind of thing. Um, Paul Giamatti is like this um, abusive kind of psychologist manager um, in the second half uh, who kind of just powers over, you know, John Cusack. And the movies, like in that half, it's about Elizabeth Banks trying to like free him from um, Giamatti's, you know, grip um and he's and he's not gonna watch it <laughs> yeah um but yeah it, it's it's a kind of a really weird film because um like there's this whole middle section that it doesn't even uh it, it, it doesn't even really touch and like this two stories are very different one is him like making like pet sounds which is like the beach boys one of the beach boys like popular albums and like kind of having little issues with like the um you know the rest of the band or whatever um and then the second half is like pretty like disturbing where, where he's like controlled by this um this guy who's like over drugging him on pills and stuff and um yeah it's a weird film but it's uh I don't know, it's cool it's got like a strong emotional through line i guess which makes up for like some of the inherent messiness of telling this like heavily segmented story um but both both actors are really great they 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 give the same kind of like brian wilson has has kind of like a dopey-ish look and they added like some like paul then had like a bit of weight and stuff and it was just kind of this like um it, it resembled they both resembled the figure really well and it's cool like seeing two totally different looking actors like transpose like the same person um so yeah i I enjoyed it 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 was good i feel like you know if it it would have told one half either half of the full film it might have been um more coherent but uh i'm still happy for what it is i guess uh but yeah i'd recommend it it's kind of it's biopicy in that it's got like 
like every biopic i guess has key moments from people's life and it kind of over dramatizes them or whatever but it just the structure makes it feel so different and the way it uses the music is really unique as well so yeah i'd i'd recommend it i guess cool that whole yeah that whole premise sounds really unique unique take yeah yeah oh i'll just quickly say i rewatched tenet and uh, I sort of went on a journey yesterday of like cutting out all pretentiousness and just fucking embracing something. You know what I mean? So I did that with Tenet. And because um, I think in the past, like I've always obviously we did on the show, always talked about how much I love the film. I think in the past, what's held me back in my brain was like, oh, I have to give it a nine because I don't fully understand it. Like I just created this weird excuse for myself, right? Because I can't, just because I don't fully understand what's happening in literally every second of it, like means therefore like I have to give it a nine. Um, yeah, that was dumb. I don't like that. So I go it five stars because, um, I just, it's one of my favorite movies. I just fucking love it. You know what I mean? Um, it, it, it also does help that on my fourth watch, I actually now, I, every single time I get it a little bit more, you know what I mean? Will I ever fully understand it? Probably not. Maybe if I watched it 50 times, like every time I'm getting there a little bit more. So this time I definitely picked up on a few more little things as I was going. Um, then there were some things that like the whole, I was like trying to piece together the car chase all over again. Like that's like, oh shit. Yeah. Um, I understand. Okay, I understand. Like he's put he puts the tracker in it now, and then it gets picked up. Like it reverses back into. Like I get that, and then like then it sort of falls apart. It's like all right, whatever. It's it's freaking awesome watching it anyway. So who gives a shit? But then this time, I finally I finally figured out like how the you know when the building like it like like explodes at the top and then like it explodes at the bottom at the same time and it yeah. fucking does that shit and um. In the third act, I like I never understood that, and I finally understood that this time. It's like, oh, red team and blue team both hit the same building at the same time at exactly five minutes when 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 the clock hit halfway through the ten minute mission time, and they did it exactly the same time to create a distraction. Oh, and that's just the I get it. I, like I finally was so proud of myself for that. You know what I mean? Everyone else got it the first time. But, you um, don't want to wait for the uh, IMAX re-release? Oh, I'll go to that too. Don't worry about that. Okay. Um, that, 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 maybe that time I'll finally get the, get the char- car chase fully, mm. you know? Um, so yeah, anyway, I love Tenet. It's awesome. Luke, actually, this is interesting. Luke texted me last night after I rated it and said, should I watch it tonight? Which he obviously didn't, um, you know, not, no judgment, but, um, like would, would Luke lo- like this movie? Cause I replied, like, I'd love to, you know, watch it just to see what you think, but it's just, it's an interesting film to recommend. It's hard to recommend in a way. You know, mm. I've got no idea how certain people are going to react to it. Really, as long as he goes into understanding it as more of an action rather than high sci-fi, like some of his other suggestions of like have been with like Sunshine and all that. You know, right. like, does he understand the type of movie it is? I think it, it might like, factor what, into his enjoyment of it. Do you think he'd pick pick apart the physics otherwise and stuff like that? Yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Like from and like it also is just a film that like. In my opinion, basically, like if you, like if you just if you just think it's a cool experience the first time, that's great. But like if you really want to get it, like it's sort of like it's going to require rewatches. You know what I mean? As well, so it's sort of just, it's sort of a, I don't know it's it's an interesting one to recommend. Wait, did he? Recommend, so, so did he not list an episode with like one hundred or one fifty or whatever? Or does he time. does he know everything about it anyway and still hasn't seen it? I assume he just forgets. I don't know. Yeah, man, probably. I was thinking about that episode a lot though when I was watching it, like points I made and like points we talked about. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember we said that. And like, yeah, anyway. Well, the building blowing up was one of them. That's why I thought <laughs> of it. Now comes a segment where we hand the show over to you with our question of the show. Last week, we asked you, what are your most anticipated 
films and TV shows of 2024. Dr. Luke said, Looking forward to Deadpool 3. If Invincible Season 2 Part 2 comes out this year, then I'm excited for that. Uh, yeah, so actually, I know you guys were really into Invincible before the break. So what's going on with that? Like, is it is it on break right now? I guess so. Yeah, I, I just thought I fell behind. I didn't even realize it, like, stopped releasing. Oh, okay. So you just fell behind. Like, are you caught up on yeah. whatever's out, Fitzy? No, I think so. Uh, I might be, I must have an episode last, but yeah. Okay, okay, gotcha. Um, June Part 2 and Godzilla versus Kong or Cross Kong, whatever, since there'll be a fun day out with the boys, not sure of anything else. And then he comes in and says, also Joker 2. So, yeah, We're definitely get on some of the big ones there. Yeah, those are some big ones for sure. We might bring them up again. Andy said, not sure what films I'm anticipating for 2024. Nowadays, I just wait for the lineups from international. Here we go, pretentious Andy coming in here. International film festivals like Berlin and Cannes. So that was a bit, that was a bit, sorry, Andy, that was a bit rude. Um, to announce some interesting titles. For now, I'm bloody hoping for Richard Linklater's 2023 Netflix film Hitman to still come out, seeing as you guys are reviewing Before Sunrise. I saw, I saw, there's a trailer for this one. That's got, um, it's got bloody uh, Glenn Powell in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I saw the trailer too. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So there you go. That might be one we like and review, maybe. Who knows? Okay. Oh, you know, I was going to say, well, Andy doesn't watch TV, as we know. But um, for me, there was a bit more in the TV department, personally. But what did you guys come up with for either or? Um, I didn't even look at TV. Um, I forgot that existed. Um, <laughs> and then in, in terms of, like, things I put on my watch list, like, I was going through it, like, um, at the end of last week's episode, uh, you know, when we're, when we're chatting. And, like, I look at this now, and like, uh, I don't know. Paul Anderson's new film is definitely something up there <laughs> Paul Anderson yeah, yeah. Um, up and the, the other one that I'm probably most excited for but very weary of um, other than like your, 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 your typical Dune is um, The Strangers uh, the new film from The Strangers series because um, I love those first two movies um, but I'm really scared of what Rennie Harland is going to do with them but I'm very excited as well um, I'm not, so this is a horror franchise I assume yeah yeah um, the first Strangers is 100% something that you should watch. I think everyone should watch the first Strangers. It's really cool. Um, and then the second one is something that you watch if you like kind of neon slashes. Can't say I do. But that's interesting. That's an interesting pick. I um, there's a, There are a handful of big movies coming for sure. I personally wasn't that interested in many of them. Like like, like June Part 2 probably the most. I'm, I'm Don't get me wrong. I'm excited to go to IMAX and Melbourne for sure. But like... I can't even say I'm that excited about the movie, really. Like, it's probably, it's going to be great. But, like, I don't know. I just kind of feel like it's a sure bet at this point. You know? I don't, there's not a lot of anticipation for me personally. So, movies is hard. I went with, um, like, even that, I, I'm not even that excited about this, but, like, I kind of went with A Quiet Place day one because I just sort of, I really like A Quiet Place. And I was like, I sort of didn't, forgot it was happening. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, that's one for sure I'm going to enjoy. So, well, I hope so. So, that was kind of my choice, but yeah, I don't know. Like, like I don't know. Are, we, are you guys looking forward to Deadpool three? It is probably like objectively the most anticipated movie, but like, uh, I really, uh, I'm not, not I really. Uh, no, I haven't seen the second one. So, anyway, sorry, Fitzy, have you got anything for film? Yeah, um, Doom Part Two, Drive Away Dolls, which is the new Ethan Cohen film. Um, oh yeah, 
Yeah, you solo. Good job. And then I see I see Nosferatu here too, um, here as well, which is like the new Robert Eggers film. I totally forgot about oh, yeah. this. Um, fucking yeah. Bill Skarsgård's in that, so that's great. Nicholas Holt, isn't it? So yeah, this looks this looks really cool actually. Um, you know, a bunch of tall men playing vampires. An Eggers, sure. Eggers film sounds uh, sounds fun. Eggers doing vampires sounds perfect. Mm. Yeah. Zach, are you aware of uh, who Nosferatu is? No, no fucking idea. Okay. Not a feeling. I was, that sounded like a weird original title or something. Like, what? So, what? What is it? No, it's one of the first vampire. I think it is the first vampire like movie ever made in nineteen twenty-two. Oh. I think it is. I'm not sure if it was adapted from something else, but. Um, like a very oh, famous okay. vampire character. Mm-hmm. Oh, so is this like going to be Robert's take on the character? Yeah. Well, there's like there's there's multiple um remakes of it as well. As well. Like there's like mm-hmm. a popular '80s version, but it was originally yeah like a '20s film, like German Expressionism, one of the most important kind of founding films. So yeah. I guess for TV, I'm surpri- like I'm not surprised Jaden doesn't shout out Hot D, of course. <laughs> I'm yeah, not, of course, you shout out to that for me, of course. Um, oh, yeah. Fallout, Jaden? Oh, yes. Yeah, true. Good shout. Yeah, forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty. That's that's a big one for me too. Um, my most anticipated show, though, is The Acolyte. And I think it's just – I think there's just not much anticipation just because, like, it's kind of an underground thing right now, you know? We've only had that leaked trailer from Celebration. Mm. So – and a lot of people – and it is because it's – so this is the show that's 200 years before The Phantom Menace. So, like, because of that, like, people just don't know what it is. There's been no trailer yet. So, like, I totally understand there's just no conversation yet. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm just a bit of ahead of all that shit, you know, with Star Wars. So that's my most anticipated show. I think once people start seeing it and, and it starts clicking that it's coming for people, like, when they start releasing stuff, like, I think it's going to shoot up there for people um, for sure. Anything Jedi and Sith at their prime, give it to me. So... I think people are going to end up digging that. Everyone always wants Sith content. They always say it. So shut up. You're getting it now. <laughs> um, Fitz, you reacted to Hot D. Is there anything anything else coming? Um, I'm just looking now. Uh, I mean, The Boys, is that season four? I guess it's coming. Yeah. 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 Excited for that. For sure. um, yeah, I can't really see anything else. I don't know. I'm not. I wish I was more engaged in TV these days, but I'm just into the most popular shit. I'll probably watch that Star Wars thing if it's uh, any good, I guess, sure. if it's another Andor yeah. type situation. So, I mean, yeah, but it'll probably be a lot different because yeah. it's like less, uh, it's, it's more separated from the yeah. stuff that we know, but yeah. Yeah. It'll, yeah, it'll definitely, it'll feel a lot different from Andor, like, directly compared to Andor, but I feel like it might have a similar effect in terms of it having its own other place. You know what I mean? It'll be good. Yeah. yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's cool. Um, okay. As always, we'd love you to submit your responses, thoughts, and or reviews for next week's film in the YouTube, Instagram, or, uh, yeah, Discord, comment sections. This week, the specific question we'll be asking you is, what is the best survival film or TV show? Let us know. How you define survival? It's another can of worms. We already opened it when we discussed the question and doing it. So, um, yeah, we'll see what you come up with. We'll probably end up getting really mad with some of you. Yeah. 
probably as usual. All right. As usual. As usual. That's it for this week's episode of Cinema Effect. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Fitzy. Whoa. No, that's right. What's going on? Um, You're not throwing me off. What are we next week? Um, I was on on a roll. We're doing a Spanish film, um, Society of the Snow, which I'll I'll just read the synopsis because I don't usually do that. In 1972, a Uruguayan flight crashes in the remote heart of the Andes, forcing survivors to become each other's best hope. Full stop. And I'll add, maybe each other's worst enemy. Who knows? Oh. Oh. They should get you to write these. Yeah. Nice. And that's on Netflix? Yes, it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original film. Um, you know, foreign language film, but it's very popular at the moment. So don't be uh, dissuaded by that. Don't be discouraged. Uh, mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I was, but yeah, I'll don't be, be, don't be. Mm. Um, I heard that, and I thought Yellow Jackets, but movie and not English. Mm. And then I thought South American Meh. Yellow Jackets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thought Meh. but now we're doing it, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, okay. I appreciate Liam and Jaden for joining me as always. Have a great rest of your week, people, and goodbye.